Welcome to Counterintelligence. This is Eric LeVay. Today's guest is filmmaker Jack Bryan. Thanks to Patreons Dana Berry, Andre Dunka, William Healy, Angela Jackson, Zacharias Zizkor Kaminsky, Sasha Millstone, Craig Pierce, Greg Schneider, and Jason Zimmerman. Jack Bryan, welcome back to Counterintelligence. How are you, man? Doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, man. And it's funny, you've been on probably, I don't know, maybe three or four times, but every time you come on, I just think about, I don't know, that first one we did when you were just, I think about the things that have changed when you guys were, you had just made active measures. And now, I mean, do you have any thoughts on, on how things have changed in the world since then and now? <laughs> well, I, I think that like one of the things that's uh, scary for uh, people like you and me who really followed this stuff uh, early and really, um, you know, uh, were frightened about this early is that so much of this uh, is what we thought was going to happen. You know, so much of this is predictable. Uh, so much of this is kind of the world that I think that most of us were worried about uh, going into it. And, you know, if I had said that I thought that, you know, Donald Trump is going to start sending federal troops into, you know, uh, cities, uh, even at the beginning of the pandemic, I think that because uh, remember this at the beginning of the pandemic, there was even a question of whether Trump had the authority to tell states what to do. Right. He was making that argument uh, that it wasn't his job. And so I remember at that point the idea that he would send troops in to enforce a lockdown. People were like, oh, people would rebel against that. And now he is sending federal troops in to lock down on protesters. Um, and, yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say, and for those uh, tuning in for the first time, Jack directed uh, uh, and wrote Active Measures, the uh, definitive Trump-Russia documentary, and has a bunch of other projects in the pipeline. But, uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you saying there, Jack? Oh, Sorry, no, I, I just, I, I, for me, I think, uh, going back to the movie, the, the answer has always been protest. And I think that on the bright side, though, as well, I think that for a lot of us, and I know a lot, a lot of us working in the space, both, you know, making uh, films, and you know, I also try to, I do some stuff behind the scenes, whether it's advising uh, members of Congress or just, you know, groups working in this. And I think a lot of people, uh, beginning of the year, was, were really worried, especially after, um, after the impeachment, that there wasn't a fire in the country to really fight back, uh, that people, that the, the country broadly was kind of bored and rolling over. Uh, and obviously the George Floyd uh, incident was you know, horrifying in, in a way that, you know, woke people up. And I, I don't want to speak positively about that incident because it was so horrifying, but I think the fact that people seem like they're really awake uh, and really engaged, despite the fact that the you know, circumstances surrounding that are terrible, I think that's a, that is a positive step that I was worried was not going to happen before the election. I have to a thousand percent agree. And I, I have to say there's a lot of things we didn't see coming, but I, I didn't see that level of civic uh, sort, sort of protest coming in that way. I guess I thought, like you, I, I thought it would come from something that, that Trump did or Trump Russia. But as it turned out, it was, it was something else. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Any, yeah. Any, any thoughts on that? Well, you know, for for me, I actually, uh, I, again, I, I don't want to. I think that there can be uh, an element of sounding like I'm, I'm like I, I saw it coming and tooting my own horn, and, and that's not what I'm saying. You know, I, I think that a lot of us saw a lot of this coming. But for me, I remember after the uh, the impeachment, thinking, well, you know, nobody who um, this is this kind of stuff is not going to change people's minds anymore. Corruption stuff, and the way that I would phrase it at the time is the reason is is that people can still go to restaurants. People can still go about their lives normally, and we haven't had a tragedy or a crisis that has shut that down, and that that kind of thing is going to be the kind of thing that has to uh, knock Trump out. 
Um, and I didn't realize that literally we weren't going to be getting rushed. I was using that very metaphorically <laughs> and casually. I had no idea that anything like this was going to happen. Uh, but I think it's true. I think that until it really affected people, that uh, stuff to do with Russia and Ukraine and all that stuff, it just feels to most people like it's something that's happening over there. And isn't everybody corrupt anyway? And who knows? And what does it have to do with the price of the sandwich, you know? Um, and now it does have something to do with that. Yeah, I've always I've always said and always felt that this country in many ways was, for lack of a better phrase, a victim of its own success. Uh, and you, you know, as someone has traveled and been abroad and made films on this subject, that in countries where there, there was more of a very real possibility of where they didn't have the same amount of freedom and where saying the wrong thing at the wrong time would send you to jail if the wrong person heard you, they, they understood freedom in a different way. And this country, frankly, just got very lazy. And I mean, just the fact that people don't vote, uh, or many people don't vote, uh, just Absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, no, yeah. And, and as a result of that, I mean, this is this is going to sound like a, an extreme statement I'm about to make, but let me say, you know, give the follow up afterwards because I think it's very defendable. Which is, we live in a hard right wing, really telling the fascist country. Um, and I mean, politically, like if you were to look at the Republican party in America, uh, you would be very hard pressed to find a group that's that right wing, in the mainstream of Europe, I think about six political parties in all of Europe that are farther to the right of the Republican party. And they're all, they all prescribe, you know, burkas from being illegal in public. They're all like, you know, no, no, you know, Norwegian, um, nationalist parties. Like even, look at even like, uh, Yanukovych in Ukraine. Yanukovych increased um, minimum wage. Like the, the actual policies of even like the hard right wingers that we talk about, like the, the, the rise of the right wing in Europe, which is a real threat. The rise of nationalism in Europe is a real threat right now. It's a real problem. But their policies are not as extreme to the right as the Republican Party. I'm really glad you said that. And that I, I think that a lot of people and reporters are afraid to. I don't know. I, I don't understand it myself because it is true. The fact is, is that uh, unfortunately a large part of this country is not just right, but but hard right. I mean, and yeah. if we, we, have a, we have a higher percentage of African-Americans in prison than apartheid South Africa did. It, that's it, it, it's crazy. And it's an and it's an industry here on that note. Yeah, it's a profit making industry. The, the only country in the world that might have a higher percentage of its citizens in prison is North Korea. And because they don't release information, we're not sure who's winning that one. Us for that. <laughs> so these are these are issues that I think are, are you know are, are endemic to an extent and, and do have to be uh, dealt with. And Trump is is bringing them to the forefront and um, bringing them on the table in real big ways uh, and increasing the problems. Obviously, the you know kids in cages and things like that. And then the the real scary thing, which is the the, the move that tyrants tend to do, is they first uh, attack the border militarize the border and then move those soldiers into the it, within the country and that's what we're doing that's why they're using border patrol is those guys are used to looking at people as non-humans basically and so that's that's that is the not an uncommon thing that these guys do and it's uh it's frightening it's, it's not good it's very bad <laughs> i don't I, you know i wish i could soften that but it's really just actually not good it isn't and we that's why i asked you to come on today specifically because i wanted to talk about operation legend and uh just as someone who's very knowledgeable about what goes on in the world, and of course uh, the movie you made, which uh, really kind of has 
it's connected to what we're talking about. But so I just want to really get your thoughts on and just for a little background, as everyone knows, Operation Legend is the um, the name for uh, a very vague sort of disturbing. Well, we're going to get into what it is, but basically Trump and Barr are sending a uh, variety of un- unnamed and unmarked. Well, we know who some of the agencies are, but they don't wear name tags. They're going into Portland and other cities coming to a city near you. So I just really want to get your thoughts on, Jack, what do you think about this? Well, I would say that I think the thing that I think that there's it appears that there are uh, it's one leg of a big operation. And I don't know how much of that operation is uh, consolidated. You know, I, I don't know how much of that operation is working on the exact same path for everybody, but I think that there is multiple things. I think that there's a disinformation campaign going on throughout this country to tell people that one COVID's not dangerous and that um, is supporting um, that everybody protesting is Antifa. Uh, and I also, I, I worry a lot about Eric Prince and all this. I mean, in March there was a report, I think the New York times that he was having extremists go into left-wing groups. And I would be shocked if Boogaloo boys and Eric Prince and working very, I mean, he's working with Steve Bannon in the last couple of years. I'd be shocked if he wasn't in on that, um, to make these protests more aggressive, uh, and more violent. It wouldn't be the first time that, that had been done. Um, and using that as a justification for going after everybody in those states. Um, it, it's, it seems, you know, I mean, even when the initial uh, protests happened, there was, uh, I think that some of that rioting was probably organic. Um, but I think that also when you have teams of people in cars stopping on every block, getting out, setting fires, and then going back in the car, that's an operation. Like that's, that's not just uh, an organic riot where people are out in the streets being angry. Those are people who have been, or the, the bricks being laid out in front of buildings. Now, I, I don't <laughs> pretend to know who that was or why they were doing that. I, I don't, but it's, but those, all those things together make me very nervous about the prospect that there's an operation to incite violence in these crowds in a big way. Um, and I think that uh, it's not working as well as they'd hoped. I think that, you know, the vets and the moms and all those things, it's wonderful to see and it's really uh, amazing. And the uh, the peaceful protests are, are really, I think, uh, an amazing thing to see. But I, I am concerned that that is part of uh, the operation, is, is getting these guys, getting people in there that will incite violence. And I was just going to say, to be clear as well, that's not only a possibility, but again, coming back to, you made a whole movie about uh, sort of, I mean, to the best of my knowledge, many people say, you can comment on this, but that's how Vladimir Putin consolidated his hold on power, which was by a, a series of apartment bombings. Am I am I correct about that? A hundred percent. And that was, I mean, that was a really important thing. It was blamed on Chechens, uh, which are sort of a Muslim population that lived uh, right outside Russia. Uh, and they used that uh, absolutely to allow the basically KGB to take control of that country again. Um, and it's uh, I mean, at, under the auspices of the, the FSB. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really uh, it's it's they, they do it. And also beyond that, actually, they did it in 2016. I mean, the Russians uh, tried to set up an online protest, a Black Lives Matter protest. And then they separately set up a white nationalist protest and they had them on the same block on the same day. So. Right. This is not like um, maybe they would do this kind of thing. It's, they absolutely do this kind of thing. This episode of Counterintelligence from Forensic News is brought to you by IT Pro TV. 
start or grow your IT career with online IT training from IT Pro TV. And we have a special offer for counterintelligence from Forensic News listeners. A seven-day free trial and save 30% off all plans. A recent MIT study found that IT occupations have grown by 19.5% between 2004 and 2019. That's more than eight times the growth rate than for other jobs over the past decade. While earnings growth for those with college degrees has somewhat flattened since 2000, earnings have actually grown significantly for individuals working in IT. It's never too late to start a new career in IT or move up the ladder, and IT Pro TV has you covered, from CompTIA and Cisco to EC Council and Microsoft. More than 4,000 hours of on-demand training, engaging hosts present information in a talk show format. They're live every day, and shows go studio to web in 24 hours. Courses are conveniently listed by category, certification, and job role. Stream IT Pro TV courses live and on-demand worldwide via Chromecast, Roku, Apple TV, PC, or their iOS or Android app. Learn IT, pass your certs, and get a great job with IT Pro TV. Visit itpro.tv counter for a seven-day free trial and 30% off all plans. Use promo code counter at checkout. That's itpro.tv counter and use promo code counter at checkout. itpro.tv counter and use promo code counter at checkout to try it free for seven days and save 30% off all plans. Um, and we also know that Trump is perfectly willing to cheat to win this. I mean, having the fact that uh, the Ukrainians were days away once he was days away from going on CNN and opening up uh, an investigation into Joe Biden, which would have completely blown up the Democratic primary. And we kind of just walked past like, oh, well, that's just like, no, that's really that's really cheating. Uh, that's using your, your authority wildly inappropriately. And if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to leverage America's reputation and our international standing and the geopolitical balance <laughs> to uh, destroy a potential at that point opponent, there's not a lot you're not willing to do. I think that one of the things that's uh, been very frustrating uh, about the Trump administration is anytime you think, well, he won't do that, he will. And anytime you think he can't do that, he can for at least a year and a half until the courts stop him. Now, I think that, uh, that we'd all sort of have this fantasy that illegal means you can't do it. When you're president, illegal means that you might get stopped eventually. <laughs> That's my concern, and I know you mentioned advising people, and just so I guess my question here is, like, I'm not trying to be funny here, but like, what exactly is the plan here? I'm talking from the Democratic leadership. I'm not saying you know what the plan is, but just maybe your thought, like, well, tell me what you think it, it might be, and then I'll tell you if I have any anything to add yeah, to it. Yeah, and when I say the plan right now, as just someone who's at a observer of news, the plan seems to be. Um, that everyone comes out and votes in these huge numbers. That and I, we've already we, this guy's already been impeached for what yeah. you just described. So that's my question: Is there a plan other than that? Uh, uh, I, I don't think so. I, mean, I, I don't think that there is. No, in, in terms of before the election, getting him out. No, I think the plan is to get him to get people to vote in high numbers. And I'll say this: If he loses, or if, let me think about this: If he gets, if he gets beaten by. In the real world, he gets beaten by five points. I think he can cheat it. Mm -hmm. I think he can cheat it enough to win. If he gets beaten by seven, I don't think he can. I, I think that they're because they're not. The thing is that Republicans are are going to be aware that there are going to be future elections, mm -hmm. and you can't rig every election. And it's, if it's very clear he lost by a large margin, uh, I think that they're going to because at the end of the day they are cowards, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and I think that they're going to know that this is a, a fight that they can't win. I think if he loses by a little, I'm very, very scared of what happens after that. Yeah, and I was just going to say, to be more specific as well, like, when I say plan two, like, is there any plan for, 
like let's say a civil uh, mass demonstrations if they pull a fast one which i know they're going oh. to like that i guess yeah, yeah. it should have been more specific yeah yeah i see i see yeah so there are a lot of talks I, i'm some talks i'm familiar with that are going on surrounding that uh i think that you're going to be hearing more about that uh in the fall i'm advising a couple people who are talking about what the next steps are after that but we're a little too far off and i think that um nothing is set enough for me to be able to say it but yeah there's there's certain definitely a lot of people planning and worrying about that contingency and, and saying what i will tell you i think that there's going to be a, if it happens there's going to be massive massive protests in dc uh and i think that people are going to stay there for a very very long time and not go away oh yeah um, like i'll be moving so I, that's for sure yeah so that's that i can tell you there's a lot of people that are are i i'm that are planning that yes uh and i think that that is very likely to happen um and i think that there will be a lot more on that as, as, as things get closer. But yeah. I feel like the way that this needs to be handled is the same way that what makes a good, uh, what makes a good intelligence officer is a constant state of, uh, in my opinion, is in is paranoia and constantly thinking of things that could happen. And I, I just hope that that's, that's how this situation is being looked at and not like if we just come out and vote, this will all be over. Cause we all know that's not, that's just not going to happen. Uh, sure. Absolutely. And I think that one has to be completely visual on that front. I mean, I, I, I do think that that doesn't that shouldn't mean that people don't vote, <laughs> you know, I, or that people think, oh, that's that's, uh, that's a useless process or da, da, da. like it is still uh, it, it is still hard to rig an American election. I, I mean, I, I worry that, for example, that Trump's just going to tank the post service, which he seems to be doing mm-hmm. um, and that that's going to affect mail in ballots. I worry a lot about all this stuff. Um and I think that one does have to be very vigilant. Um, and I think one thing that you can do is is try to really hold your local uh, congressman to task on it. I know it sounds uh, silly or whatever, but if you're mailing and emailing like, hey, I want you guys to be focused on this. I can't believe it. I'm not going to vote for you if you did kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's a Democrat and they're not, you don't think they're being loud enough, especially in that case. Um, that this is a thing to be, yeah, to be loud about. You know, I mean, I, I, I know that there's, you know, things like tweeting and, you know, emailing and stuff like that feels like it doesn't do a lot. And in and of itself, it's not. But they are little things that we can do. And they, I think they are effective. And they do, you know, obviously, sometimes we're talking to a bubble and da-da-da-da. But it, it does. It, it's, it's effective. And I, news channels watch what people are tweeting about. You can say that that's a good thing or a bad thing. But that tweets, you know, help direct coverage. Um, and I think that just being active and, and staying on it. But yeah, it is, it is difficult. And there is an element of we are watching and waiting to see what happens and reacting. Uh, and I wish we could be more proactive about it, but you know, uh, it's until they, they cheat, it's, it's hard to do that. Right. You talked about the inevitability of this, how we, we've seen this before and that's, what's amazing. It's like, we're seeing, we're seeing this happening. We know what, we know what happens. We knew what happened a couple of years ago when you came on the show the first time. It's happening. So we, we sort of know how this goes, but yet it's like we're watching it like you're watching a dream happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I really do think this is the last chance. I mean, the problem with authoritarianism, and the problem with heading in that direction is that there's no corrective mechanism. Voting is the corrective mechanism. You can vote somebody out, and then all of a sudden politicians care what people think. Hmm. Once that kind of goes away... Um, you can't correct that. There's no, you can correct. I mean, 
if you know if we all decided that we didn't want uh, us to subsidize fossil fuels and we all voted against it we we could probably stop that if it was enough of a demand but if voting doesn't matter then there's no chance to do any of that stuff um and so that's my concern is that if we get past this we can get to a place where voting probably actually isn't going to matter watching uh going back to operation legend watching this stuff on tv my my thought is that basically you can tell me what you think but it really seems like Honestly, what they're doing is trying to create a, a bunch of campaign commercials. Uh, a lot of, you know, w- w- do you have any thoughts on that, Jack? Yeah, I think there's absolutely that. I think they're also trying to distract from the horrible COVID response because that's where his numbers are the worst. Um, and I think that they're trying to frame the protests as not being about race. Because if you look at where, where Donald Trump is actually polling below his base, so let's say he's got 35 base, right? 35% of the country is going to support everything. Some of these polls in terms of race relations and some of these polls in terms of COVID, he polls at 30, 33. So what Donald Trump wants to do desperately is he wants this to be about law and order and not about race relations. And if he is fighting with protesters in the streets, he can make that case. He wants to make that case. Uh, So I think that one of the things we can also do is to never forget that this is about Black Lives Matter uh, and that this is about racial injustice in America. Uh, and, And to stay on that point, because the more that we are hitting that point, first of all, the, the more good we can do, the more we can focus on a serious problem, but also the more that we can undercut the argument. Like if you watch, I sometimes read a Wall Street Journal editorials. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how they frame the entire protests without even injecting race into it at all, without injecting, without even considering race, you know, without uh, applying it. It's all, they think it's all white liberals who are upset about economic policy. And that's that's not uncommon. I mean, if you read like, a, a, you know, China, Chinese propaganda, the Hong Kong protests were all about economic problems within Hong Kong. Uh, and so there's constantly a trying to reframe what are people upset about? Um, and if you can reframe what are they upset about in a way that is scary, that, that the thing that they're upset about scares them, like they don't want police, they don't want order, they want chaos, then you can get people on your side. If we're still talking in the realm of what they're actually out there for, which is to be to, to get racial justice in this country, that is a losing argument for Donald Trump. It's pretty wild that right now a American hero, uh, John Lewis, is being celebrated in D.C. and uh, Trump isn't even there. And he said he wouldn't be there. It's a level yeah. of, of just I don't know what the word is. I've never seen this before. Yeah, I mean, but it, it does mean he is, he is aiming his sites at, at uh, white anger, you know, mm. and I think uh, it wouldn't benefit him anything to go to that, you know, uh, if, from his perspective. That's true. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. There was go actually ahead. a really good, there was a really good piece, I think it was the Washington Post today, that uh, made the case that actually Fox News is going to, could hurt Trump more than anything, because it can convince him that he's doing a good job. Um, and not to turn. And actually, I'll say this. The, the thing that gives me the most hope beyond seeing people in the streets, beyond seeing all that, is how terrified Donald Trump seems. Mm. Because th- th- there's no way that he would risk uh, the uh, the Ukraine debacle thing if he didn't think Joe Biden was a real threat. Mm. There's no way they'd be going through all this craziness if they didn't think Joe Biden was a real threat. And that means that he probably doesn't have this thing completely locked up, that he does, at least he doesn't think that he can completely steal this no matter what. 
Um, and so I think that that should give us real hope. Every time he's upset, it's because he's worried he's not going to be president this time next year. Uh, and that should give us all a, a little sigh of relief that he even considers that possibility. I am still laughing what you just said about there being nothing for him at John to, to celebrate John Lewis because you're right from Trump's perspective there he doesn't get anything out of it and that's yeah while while tragic and pathetic and un-American that is sort of funny in a way you're right he just made a call like there's nothing here for me yeah uh, absolutely and that's I mean I I think that we have to stop looking at him as a person who's going to say anything other or do anything other than is this going to work for me in the short term is this going to work for me today um, because he can't eat, I mean, here's the, the great irony of the Trump presidency is if he had just done what every liberal had wanted him to do in March regarding COVID, he'd be getting reelected. No problem. And so he's, uh, he's not, he can't think long term. I, I think he's thinking, how do I win the day? And in 2016, like that was kind of a, he kind of, well, for me anyway, I always felt like he was losing the broader argument, but weirdly he was always winning the day. He was able to direct what the conversation was. He was able to shock people. Um, and so I, I think that he is just stuck. He's at sort of day trading of politics. <laughs> and I think that once you have a record, it's, it's hard to do that. And once you have a thing like COVID where you can't just pretend it doesn't exist, uh, it becomes very hard for him to operate um, the way he, he wants to. Um, and so I think he's just in denial about it. I think he probably still is. Um, but not, you know, yeah. Just watching this stuff on TV and these these unmarked officers. And last night, so I went out and the the night before last, there was some protests. So I went out last night and I was out, uh, gee, I don't know, eight or nine. I went down to the, the federal prison in uh, downtown L.A. And uh, it was it was oddly quiet. It had been, just for those listening, it had been damaged the night before. They Some protesters actually, I don't know if you saw this, they broke into the lobby of a uh, Metropolitan Detention Center. Did you see that? No, it's it. Yeah. So, uh, which uh, kind of like, not, I mean, again, always finding the humor in things as I do. It's like, what kind of a federal prison is this if you can break into the lobby with a small hammer? But anyway. Oh, yeah. No, well, here's the, here's the, I think it's important to mention. I've been in the middle of a riot uh, on the border of Ukraine and Poland. That was a really aggressive riot. It ended up going into Ukraine. Uh, they were attacking the military. 10 feet away from me. Uh, it was wild. There were thousands of people. Um, the police were significantly more restrained. Hmm. Like, and you know what happened? The incident kind of just evaporated. Hmm. Like they got through the border, they went off, they marched a little bit longer and police never shot at them. They, I mean, listen, Ukraine has a, has a history of that kind of happening, but in that incident, it was like, no, just let this happen and let them go. And that will dissipate. Um, and it did. Uh, and so uh, the way that America is reacting to protests, even aggressive protests, mm. is wildly outside the realm of normal, <laughs> normal government reactions. I mean, remember the yellow vests in Paris? Mm. They did least as much damage, and conservatives here were supporting them. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, it, when the French police started, like, uh, you know, arresting them and, and fighting back, which I, I thought even the French police were a little aggressive, uh, people were outraged by that. Um, but they were significantly less aggressive than the American police in this scenario. Like we, we weirdly have this thing where we don't apply. I think we think of America as just being this lawless, crazy land and everyone else being, uh, these, I said, this guy, I guess, I don't know, but I'll tell you, France has got a bunch of dumb people on it too. You know, it's, it's America. I, I think that there's a notion of 
we can't be ruled as sort of a self-identity, which I think is probably actually not not really the case in the sense of like, I think Americans, when spoken to rationally, when addressed rationally, can act as rationally as anybody else. I mean, um, that's not to say completely, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think that we need we should look at how the rest of the world is responding to this to really to to, to incidents like this in their own countries uh, to really have a better understanding of how extreme our government's reacting right now because I don't think we appreciate it. Yeah, I would say last night was the exception because it was eerily quiet down there. I mean, I, I'm saying there was nobody, considering the night before had been a, a big protest. I was the only person down there and a crew that was repairing the front of the prison. Oh, yeah, and I'm not necessarily talking about local PD. Sorry. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, I no. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm talking about the, the guys that Trump is sending in mm-hmm. that are shooting protests between the eyes and um, with I mean, rubber bullets, obviously, but uh, still it can cause incredible damage to kill people. Uh, can uh, they haven't yet, but they can. Um, and uh, so that that's more what I'm referring to. Yeah, I, I think that, and look, I, I think that one has to uh, understand that policing in, in a riot situation is a difficult and scary thing, hmm. you know, and there is, and, and I think that some police forces around the country seem to have reacted better than others. Um, and I think that you can look at individual places and say that reaction was terrible and that look at other ones and say that reaction was reasonable. Uh, and I think that there, it's not, you don't lose anything by by sympathizing with the fact that that yeah, doing a riot, being a police officer in a riot is tough, but being a lot of things is tough. It doesn't mean you should. Be. <laughs> tear gas, you can't even use tear gas anymore. You know, the, That's the correct. Fact you're using it on the street, crazy. Yeah. So you know, you're, uh, you know, right. you're a thousand percent right, and you're and and like to your point, like I was saying, like that was not. I, I've seen a lot worse in the last couple of months, so. That's what surprised me. And someone said the sometimes cliched phrase, calm before the storm, but that's really what last night felt like. It, that was not normal. I I did see, um, well, I can't say for sure, and I, the facts are important, but I saw what looked like a, fe- a federal unmarked car that I've not seen before, which was concerning. And oh. But I can't say, you know, I, I couldn't say for sure. Uh, yeah. You know. Jack, any final words, anything you're working on, or just thoughts, the world, anything for our, for our listeners? Yeah, I have, a, I have a few projects coming up. I unfortunately cannot talk about them yet, but they're, I think that hopefully we'll get these things fixed up and they'll get announced, and it's all, it's all this stuff. And on a high note, as I said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think that um, I, I'm hopeful right now. I'm very hopeful with the polls. Um, you know, I, I think that one thing that we, you know, we, you hear a lot about that, the Dukakis, Dukakis was up by 17 in July and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is Dukakis was up very briefly after I got a post-convention bump and no candidate who has been ahead in every poll between April and July has ever lost an election for president. Yeah. Um, Biden is, in, so long as things are fair, so long as we come out in really big numbers, Joe Biden is looking like he is in good shape. In a normal election year, I'd say he's absolutely got it. And so but that gives me hope that in this election year, we might just have it. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, without the, the, the fraud and all the stuff that we know they're going to pull, yes, just in a fair election, this guy, Joe Biden is running away with it. There's no question in my mind. And people will do, no matter what kind of stuff they pull, in terms of just voter suppression, aside from the, the foreign stuff and all that, people literally are going to do, I mean, I don't even want to think of the lengths people are going to go to to vote 
they're going to – people cannot take this. Yeah. And I know that the Biden team has a really good uh, election monitoring team. Like they've hired a lot of lawyers and putting a lot of because they're very concerned about it, too. Like we're not just it's not like we're, we're out here worrying and nobody is is doing anything about it. Like the Biden camp is taking that really, really seriously. That's great to hear. And I hope and I know what I would say on that note. And then we'll end is that the next thing is messaging. The one thing that the Democrats have traditionally struggled a little bit with, like, I'm very pleased to hear that. And I hope the next step is that they let they need to let us know what's going on, because that, I think, is so important. Like you're the, you just told me more than than I've heard from from them. So I hope they do that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I think that one of the, if I can just add sort of yeah. one, one little thing here on, on messaging, I think that as liberals, we get frustrated, rightfully so, that the Republicans seem like they're much better at messaging than we are. But one thing I would keep in mind with that is like. Republicans have to attract one angry white guy in Wisconsin and just copy and paste. Um, liberal Democratic Party is, is made up of a lot of different groups because we want equality. We want all these things. We have to, but, and you have to appeal to different groups. So the messaging for a Latino in Arizona, a woman, is not necessarily the same for um, a guy in Silicon Valley. It's not necessarily the same guy for somewhere in you know, inner city Detroit. And so you have to, so we have to have many different conversations with many different people. Uh, and so while that, that is the downside of that is that you can't have one message that you can just send out to every single person. The upside of it is we can have a much more nuanced conversation and come out of it with a much more reasonable plan because we have to have those conversations with ourselves. Jack, always so great having you on the show and I'm really looking forward to the next one. Thank you for listening. Follow Forensic News on Twitter at Forensic Newsnet. Counterintelligence is at IntelPod. My personal account is Eric LeVay. Support Forensic News on Patreon. Subscribe to Counterintelligence everywhere you listen to podcasts. This is Eric LeVay, and this is Counterintelligence.